0: And uh, we're going to be continuing, actually, it's the final part of our series called Belonging. So we've been looking at the last two weeks, what does it mean to belong to Inverness Vineyard Church? And we've looked a little bit at the importance of the gathered environment. So uh, as two or three are gathered then God is in our midst and the importance of prioritizing these spaces. So, we've had a look at that. We had a look last week at serving. We had a little look at the story of Zacchaeus and how this powerful encounter, him climbing a tree and meeting Jesus transformed his life, and there was a response to that. So, we're encouraging uh, us all to think about, do we need to climb a tree? Do we need to get in sight of Jesus? What's in the way that is preventing us from seeing Jesus in our day to day and to take steps towards that. So uh, we had to look at that. We've had a look, at, yeah, I'm going off on tangents here. I'm not following my notes. You see, that's the danger of doing that. So uh, to also, off the back of that, it was like, what is our peace? How do we serve the church? How do we serve the city? And we had these little forms as well, little forms, little slips, serving at Inverness Vineyard. And we're going to be sending out off the back of this series a little video of a recap, uh, I would encourage you to watch kind of like a bite-sized version and just inviting you into some actions off the back of it. But that's one of the actions in terms of serving and what a space that you could see yourself serving. What we'll do at the end of the service, when we put the image we had last week up at the end of the service, and we'll put these slips over here. So if you're not currently serving, have we look at, we had a image up last week. It was like traffic lights, red, amber, and green, and just highlighting the areas that would be a, a great blessing to serve in. And Yeah, the purpose of this series is just really to remind us or let us know for the first time what does it mean to belong? What does it mean to belong? Uh, Maybe we feel on the edge. All of us will be in lots of different spaces right now when it comes to church, when it comes to our walk with Jesus, and uh, we believe these steps will help. And it's our prayer that this series will result in a tightening around our church community and a shared hearts, a unity in God and uh, finding our place. So, we're going to be reading from Philippians 4, verse 10 to 20 this morning, and Becca is going to be sharing God's Word with us. Uh, So, she's going to be reading from Philippians. Thank you, Becca.
1: I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you, Becca. That was good pronunciation as well. That's why I gave you the passage. Right. So, just to give you a little bit of background, this is one of a series of writings uh, from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. Uh, Philippi was the first church that Paul started in Eastern Europe, and you can read a little bit in Acts 16 around that. A couple of bullet points, it was a Roman colony in ancient Macedonia. There was a bit of resistance to Paul and to subsequent converts. It was quite a patriotic place. It It was quite a patriotic place, but the church still carried life in the thick of that. And Paul is writing from prison. These particular writings are from prison. He's replying to say thank you to the church. So, there's, there's thanksgiving in the mix, but also to share some other things that are happening and going on. He wants to encourage the church in. So, that's to give you a little bit of background on that. I want to share with you a couple of quotes just to start this morning, and then we'll dive into Uh, what the topic is this morning. You can see it's go well and give. John Wimber, who is one of the founders of the Vineyard Movement, uh, says this, look at what you spend your time, money, and energy on, and I can tell you what you worship. Now, if I was to have a look at my bank account and have a look and see what I spent my money on, it would be Greg's taxi rides, lots of petrol, and some running gear. That would be like the previous things. So uh, it's maybe not too great a reflection, but it's a challenging thing, isn't it? Show us what you spend your time, money, and energy on. I can tell you what you worship: Jim Carrey, who's a famous American actor says, and you'll probably be aware of this quote, I wish everyone could become rich and famous so they can see it's not the answer. John D. Rockefeller, who was the founder of the Standard Oil Company, was the first billionaire in the United States of America. Once he was the richest man on earth. He was asked by a reporter, how much money is enough? And he calmly replied, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. We're going to be looking at giving this morning, particularly at money. And my prayer is that God would speak and stir into this area. We can get a wee bit nervous, can't we, when we mention that word? And reflecting, actually, I don't think I've actually given a specific talk on financial giving. We've done little bits on Vision Sunday where we share a little bit, but actually when it comes to a talk, the first time and six and a half years to look at uh, giving in the church, giving in general. But the reality is that Jesus spoke an awful lot about money, and our teaching way in the church, the church as a whole, is very disproportionate in the time that we actually teach into it uh, as the church. Uh, we spend unpacking it. So, I want to encourage us, let's not be nervous or awkward when it comes uh, to bringing this to the Lord, but let's be open. Let's be open the truth is our financial giving is a key part in our belonging to the church and following Jesus, and there's so much that comes from it, and it's also, it can be a real weapon from the enemy as well. It can be something that re- creates a real divide in our relationships. It can create a real divide in our life, and a real, it can be used as a real weapon as well, and I want to just say before we unpack it properly, we are a generous bunch we are a generous, Ashley mentioned it, we are a generous bunch. And I want to say as one of the leaders, thank you. Thank you for everything you give. It makes such a difference. You have, well, you do have an idea because we share it once a year and we want to celebrate, but thank you so much for what you give to the life of the church and what you give out with the church and how generous you are. But I want to add on to that. There's so much more. There is so much more to come and just to encourage us into that. So, we pray light and life and freedom and kingdom over this we talk this morning as we unpack it, and we pray for hearts and minds, each and every one of us, and I pray healing, I pray dreams, and I pray family over this morning for Inverness Vineyard Church. I want to share three steps uh, this morning to unpack from looking at the church in Philippi. And the first thing is, be intentional. Be intentional. We read in verse 14, Paul saying, Yet yeah, it was good of you to share in my troubles, as he wrote to the church in Philippi. I want to share a little story uh, with you. It was a Christmas, probably well over 20 years ago. I was a student at the time. And I was coming home for Christmas. And it was Christmas Eve, and I'd done none of my shopping. None of my Christmas shopping. And it was a bit of a panic. And I wrapped all my presents. It was not very well thought through at all. It was like a last minute dash, last hour of the shops and just picking up stuff, just picking up things that were left on the shelves. It was that moment where things were empty, you know, and there's just a few things left hanging. That'll do, that'll do, that'll do. Got home, there was no wrapping paper. I used tinfoil. Tinfoil is actually really good for wrapping because you don't need sellotape. There's a few people going, yes, I use tinfoil. It was, but it was very, very rushed. And they say, I know they say the thought is the thought that counts, but that's rubbish in this instance because the only thought was, I need to get anything, I need to get something to fill the purpose of a Christmas gift. And uh, compare it to now, I'm a different man. I put a lot of thought into my presence. I take my time to think. I listen for the hints. I've begun to learn you've got to listen to the little hints, the little moments where you're leading into. Okay, I remember that. So it's considered. I make a plan. I know exactly what I'm giving and I know exactly what to do to make it happen. It's a lot more intentional, and it's not wrapped with tinfoil anymore. We are called to give away not just our time and our energy, but our money. It's a thoroughly biblical command. It's not an invite uh, to be intentional in it, not the leftover foil wrapped once everything else is taken account for. But considered and a heart decision, right down to the last detail. In verse 14, Philippians gave to Paul deliberately, drawn together, you showed me how much you meant to me. There's a connection, a closeness here in Paul's writings. There's a heart connection. There's a decision that's been made, and they done it, and it left an impact. It left an impact on Paul, so much so that he's writing to let them know. And we can do exactly the same we can do exactly the same. Before we came to Inverness, and there's a few visitors here this morning from the church we were part of in Aberdeen, and many years ago, I don't even know how many years ago, it would be 10 10 years ago or so, the church was growing, I was about to say, an alarming rate. That makes it sound really negative. It was really exciting. The church was growing at a really exciting rate. Hundreds of people a year were just joining the church, and we were in one building, and the church was praying, and we're trying to get a bigger building at the time, and there was all sorts of offers going on in bigger buildings around Aberdeen, and each time they were getting rejected, or each time it wasn't quite landing. And uh, the leadership team of the church at the time prayed and seek God for what is the next step, and they felt there was an invitation from God into launching sites all around the shire. So, uh, these sites... Would be connected still to the church, but would have their own pastor. Be very intentional about loving particular communities. It'd be the equivalent of like us having sites in Nairn and Tain and you know the outlying areas, Aviemore. And uh, then they found a vision document from decades earlier while they were clearing out a cupboard, and it spoke of the very thing that they had prayed and landed on. So it felt a little bit like a God thing. Amazing. There was an invitation and a vision. Sunday vision Sundays were shared to share about the heart of this and what we feel God's saying and an invitation for the church into that to launch sites over the numerous sites over the following years and uh, to employ pastors to buy equipment etc 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 and uh, to realize this vision and there was an invitation on top of our regular giving so Mary and I were giving regularly to the life of the church and there was an invitation into what does it look like for you to give maybe pledge over the next three years or give a one, one-off amount. And we were so excited. This, this was, uh, we were in our wee flat and just off the main street in Aberdeen. We were both working. I was working for the church at the time. Mary was at the hospital. And I remember yet yeah, the Sunday afternoon after it, we sat down at the table and went, wow, this is incredible what can we give to this? And we thrashed about our numbers, and we seen what we could do. And we realized we could give about, I worked it out, 66% on top of our regular giving to make it happen. We're like, we're going to pledge that for the next three years. We're going to make it happen. And uh, the church needed, I can't remember the exact amounts off the top of my head, but it was around 440,000 pounds to make this happen for the sites. So, we were invited to consider on top of what we're already giving to the church, what we could give. And we realized this wasn't a change-in-the-pocket kind of moment. This wasn't a tinfoil, what's on, what's left over kind of moment. This was to be intentional. This was to be considered. And we chatted about it, and we gave uh, over three years, 66% over our regular giving, which actually, plus gift aid, equated with our giving as well to well over I think tens of thousands of pounds, tens of thousands of pounds, and I, I just calculated that this week, and I was like Wow, wow and it 's amazing to look back and i I, I remember the excitement and in our intentionality, even though we were giving with, we were doing without certain things, we were sacrificing some stuff that we couldn 't do to think actually what is this going to enable and we, then we were invited to lead one of the sites so uh, We ended up moving to Ellen, just north of Aberdeen, and we led that site for four and a half years before we moved here and God called us here to Inverness. We saw people come to Jesus, and the church just celebrated 10 years. We uh, went over and celebrated with them at the end of September, 10 years of that church site. Without intentional giving, we wouldn't be here. It's really simple. Without intentional giving we wouldn't have started that site north of Aberdeen. Collective intentionality from the church community in giving to the local church opened doors, flung doors wide open, and it equipped and it prepared the way for God's stories, for people to know Jesus, for that, those, that region to be impacted. God loves to involve us. There is a belonging that comes in this step. There's a partnership And there's part of us that still feels really connected to that, because we're part of the story. We'll all have moments, won't we, where we feel connected to a story that we gave sacrificially, intentionally to. It's like it's still, still, when we hear news of what's going on, it's amazing. We celebrate with them, and we played our part. Isn't God amazing? Isn't God amazing that we get to celebrate and be part of that? And it's exactly the same for our journey in Inverness Vineyard Church. We are playing our part, each one of us. For mums on Monday mornings, for mainly music, first thing at Rigmore Community Center, we get to love and bless them. For folk needing connection on Monday afternoon at the community lunch, and I'm part of that. It's an incredible space, incredible wee space. So much happening, but so much to come. For the homeless in Inverness that we partner with, a gateway Highland Homeless Trust, and we had that great beer and carols night, raise money for them, and we give regularly to them as well. We're playing our part. For vulnerable children in the UK needing fostered and adopted, our church, for our giving, financial giving, is playing their part. For churches being planted across the UK through vineyard churches, UK and Ireland, we are giving and we are playing our part. The, the length and the breadth of our intentional giving the ripples of that is staggering. It's staggering. Because if it was to go all the way back, this church wouldn't have been planted without intentional giving. So, a couple of things off that intentionality. Firstly, there's many who give intentionally to the life of the church. And I've said at the beginning, thank you. We really, really mean it. It's wonderful what God's doing in the life of our we church. And sometimes I have moments through the week where I sit back, I literally sit back and just thank God for Inverness Vineyard Church and what He's doing and what He's done as I get to write talks and I get to think of what God's doing, I get to get emails of encouragements and I, I do literally just go, ah, wow, you're amazing, God. So, thank you. Secondly, maybe you give, but there's an invitation into that being revisited off the back of that and more thought behind what's intentional what does intentional considered giving look like? In preparing this talk, just to be accountable, we did the same, and we made some changes off the back of that. And it's joyful playing your part that will change not only the lives of people in our city, in our region, but also our lives too, your life, the giver. And I'm beginning to learn, I'm beginning to learn the ripple effects of intentional giving. And finally, maybe you've been coming and you're not giving in an identifiable regular way. What a great time to start. Would love you to consider what that looks like because it's joyful. It is joyful playing your part for this city, for the region, for the ripples that go way beyond we can even imagine. So, be intentional. I wonder what the God invitation is for each one of us this morning. Secondly, be open-handed, be open-handed. Verse 16 of the passage that Becca read said, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. More than once. So, there's, it's really clear there's an ongoing uh, pattern to this giving from the church. And that's, we see a rhythm, we see a pattern In 2 Corinthians 9 6, you can read about reap what you reap, you sow. What you reap, you sow. And there's something really countercultural about being open handed. And it impacts the giver as well as the receiver. Something happens in us when we give. When we give intentionally, when we give with open hands. It seems wild, doesn't it? But it's part of God's upside down kingdom. It's how God works. If you want to see God's kingdom move more, start giving more to his work. Give as much as you can. There's comfortable giving, then there's giving that comes at a sacrifice that will cost maybe the daily Starbucks. That will cost one less dinner out, maybe, one less holiday. But what we found in that step is time and time again, God provides. God provides in his upside down kingdom. His upside-down kingdom sees the open hand and says, I can place back into that. So just think of that as a visual, the open hand. I can place back into that. It's like God sitting, Jesus at his right hand and going, look at that hand. It's so open. Let's pour back into that open hand. It's not tight-fisted. Can't do anything with that. They're holding on. What can I give into this? Actually, what can we give into this? So, open handedness. But it's not a slot machine theory. It's not like it's investing in God's work, you see that you're made for more. There's a bigger picture thing. You're part of something bigger, that his story extends past you. It's not about us, but God shows up more in our giving away than he would before. The invitation is there. So, what does generous giving look like for each of us? I remember uh, when I was the youth pastor at the church in Aberdeen years ago, and I had this new track, newish tracksuit top, bright orange, and it had like electric blue. It was Adidas electric blue stripes, and I looked quite cool in it. I like to think I looked quite cool in it. I was in my 20s. I could have got away with it then. Now, Mary checks what I'm wearing and says, no, you're not wearing that, but uh, wore that to the youth group And there was this lad, we got into little smaller groups, and there was this lad, and the first thing he said was, Thomas, that tracksuit is cool. And I felt right in that moment, I have to give him this tracksuit top. He's to have it. So at the end of the night, I took it off, and I gave it to him. I mean, it was, he looked like Tom Hanks and Big, as he walked away. The sleeves were far too big, but oh my word, was that not just a moment. To see his face when I folded it up, and I went, you can have that, Robert. And he's like, oh, really? Really? Are you sure? You can have that. Right away, he took the one he had on, and he put that one on, and he went away, and he wore it to church the following Sundays. I think that's what it's about. I think it's about listening to those little whispers. Nobody, Nobody's taking this top or my watch, please, so don't say you it's that discernment for that little God nudge. Open handedness. Open handedness. We can give away in that moment and we can receive in that moment. And I know, if I'm being honest, there's moments where I've heard those little whispers following because that's quite an old story. And I need to have more stories. So, can I encourage us into open handedness? As a church community, It's special and great, but it's a lot more powerful outside these four walls as well, as I reflected on. That was a youth group story. Where's the city story? Where's the workplace story? Where's the family story to open hand in this? In the kingdom of God, there isn't a limit, but a key thing to hold here, it has the potential to shape everything, and it's that mindset of we are stewards right now. We are stewards. We don't actually own anything in this world. It's all God's. And I had a little bit of a moment, when I had a lot of moments when I was preparing this talk, but just actually, nothing I own is actually mine. It's all God's. Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Deuteronomy 10, 14, To the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in in it. That completely changes everything when we let that land in our hearts and in our minds. Rich Nathan is a brilliant American vineyard pastor, Vineyard Columbus. He's retired now, but a brilliant Bible teacher. I'm just going to read a little excerpt uh, on generosity that he speaks of. He says this, God doesn't just own the universe or our money. He owns us. Our money doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. We are stewards of God's money, In fact, we don't own anything. Everything we have is on loan. Every person we love, every job we have, every possession, it's all on loan. We didn't own it before we're born, and we're not going to own it after we die. We all get to use it, enjoy it for the years we're here on earth. But as the old saying goes, you can't take it with you. We don't own it. If you start looking at everything in your life this way, if you start to say to yourself, I don't really own anything, I'm just managing it for a little bit, but I don't own it. If you really believe that everything and everyone belongs to God, your worry and anxiety is going to go. If you go out after the service and get into your car and say to yourself, this isn't my car, it's God's car, and you go home and say to yourself, this isn't my house, it's God's house, and this is really powerful. When you sit down to eat and you put your meal on dishes and you say, These aren't my dishes, these are God's dishes. When you go to bed at night and say, This is not my bed, this is God's bed. He loaned all of this to me. I get used to it, I get to take care of it, I get to manage it, but it belongs to God. What will happen if you adopt this attitude is worry will go down. Because you're saying, let's say you're driving your car and you get into an accident, you get into it breaks down, you say, God, You have a dent in your car. (laughs) It's not my car. You loaned it to me. What do you want to do with your car, God? (laughs) Do you want me to fix it? Do you want me to sell it? God owns everything. This radically decreases our worry and anxiety. This then helps us in being open-handed. Matthew 6, Jesus speaks about where we store our treasures, your heart is. You can't serve two masters wonder where we're storing right now, depending on the fragility of a number on a screen or our app rather than the promises of a good, good father. So, we're to live through a kingdom lens. His provision, His opportunity, it changes how we see things. It brings invitations to trust, to give to. We're not to live tight-gripped onto everything in this world because we belong to God. We're to be open-handed and ready to give. So, I wonder what open-handed living looks like for each of us. Maybe it's loosening our grip on material possessions or the bank balance. J.K. Chesterton says, there's two ways to get enough. One is to continue to accumulate more and more. The other is to desire less. Maybe it's asking the question, what's necessary and what's actually not needed? Our generous living response is looking at what we truly need that God has given us? How much is enough? And what is He inviting us into when it comes to giving to the church, but giving to others also? Being open-handed is perhaps an invitation into being open-eared to What's God saying in this moment? So, to be open-handed. And then finally, we are to be certain. Verse 18 says, I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant, fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. We can be certain for each of us our giving is part of a bigger story. We can be certain it's pleasing to God because there's an act of giving in Jesus that our giving points towards. Jesus who brings life in its fullest. Jesus who defeated death on the cross for us. Jesus who brought hope and future for each and, one, each and every one of us. Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father. For the Jesus follower, it's good to give. It's good to give. It's better to give. It's how we're designed. Eugene Peterson speaks of a beautiful illustration of baby chicks learning to fly. And the mother bird is pecking at the chick at the edge of the nest. It's at a right old height on the tree. And the mother bird's pecking at this little chick, edging it closer to the edge of the nest, knowing that this bird was designed to fly, knowing that it's best for this bird to fall so it can learn to flap its wings, to do what it was made to do. And they walk, they cling on to the nest every last part of this little baby chick is like, no, but they're designed to fly, and then off they go. The mother chick knew they need to go. We are made to give, and I, I think the, the number one rival to our heart is money. What an opportunity to turn it on its head. I'm reminded again of Zacchaeus that we spoke about last week, and I'd love you to listen back if you've missed the previous two talks, but in seeing Jesus, what did Zacchaeus do? He gave. He gave. I'm reminded of the woman breaking the alabaster jar at Jesus' feet, the everything moment, that moment when people are like, does she not realize how much that is? Breaking it before Jesus, that devotion and this is never to be a step of reluctance, but a step of devotion towards Jesus. Second Corinthians 9 verse 7, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It's that open-handedness. So, as I close, I want to ask a couple of questions. For us to reflect on. Where is my treasure right now? Where is the growth in my giving? Am I seeing generous living in time, money, and energy to the church and to others and those around me? Is my giving intentional and open-handed? What's the one thing that God is inviting me to do upon leaving here? Because I think this space, in any moment we open God's Word where we worship Him, where we await His presence, there's always something to take away. There's always an action. I believe God doesn't, as I I shouted out (laughs) in that moment earlier, He doesn't want us to leave the same as we came in. What are we taking into our week that we're going, right, there's something here I need to put right. Right, there's something here that I need to be free of. There's something here that I need to invite God into. I was listening to a podcast this week where it said, encounters with God often aren't about moving forward, it's about becoming unstuck. And I think that's right most of the time, we can get very stuck. And I wonder for some of us, there's just a response moment of, I'm really stuck and I want to be unstuck and just bringing that to the Lord. What an opportunity we have. What an opportunity. And it's my prayer that we would be a church that go well and continue to give and we would capture and take hold of the joy in giving. Imagine this church being marked at the very heart in generosity for the city. To continue, we've got so many stories already of generosity for the city, but imagine responding to need in the city with lavish generosity, giving it every opportunity. We are the church, and it starts with each of us coming before God and being intentional, being open-handed, and being certain that God is using it. Why don't we stand?